Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. One, two, three, four. Filled with awe and fright, see Jurassic right, bathe in ember light, see Jurassic right, Jurassic ride, 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 see Jurassic ride, 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 see Jurassic ride, 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 see Jurassic ride, see Jurassic ride, see Jurassic Park. Look, he needs no introduction. <laughs> A man of many talents sits next to Hannah Hillam at every Comic Con. Every. Uh, you know him from Perma Friends and Mothman, Mothman's Compendium of Southern California. <laughs> It's Kaveh Teherian. Thank you for having uh, me on the podcast. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, nailing these intros. Lovely. Beautiful <laughs> job. I, I do them as well. They're very, it's a little bit like stress inducing because you got to make sure you want to give everybody their proper credit for what they did of without course. fumbling it. But yes, I appreciate it. It's weird to hear all those things that I've done. <laughs> it's there. Yeah. They're, that's always like a tell for how your self-esteem is doing that day yes. sort of thing. <laughs> I'm just like, that's it. All I heard was. I sit with Hannah. I'm here to help Hannah. That's it. That's all I'm here for. <laughs> no, I just love like, uh, like my friend Megan Baker, who's been on the show a bunch. Mm-hmm. I uh, she was on the podcast recently. The other podcast to do, 
and I call her Bryce Dallas Howard champion, which I'm just like, okay, you know, adds a little flair, adds a little personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're also just looking right now at a Jurassic Park logo that says Just Married. Just Married, that's like, right. That's the dinosaur in the room at this point. The dinosaur in the room is this lovely T-Rex that you got me with the with the mouth that moves, which I've been playing with like it's a fidget spinner for the past 25 minutes. And I will probably continue to do so even after we stop recording. It's, it's part of, I mean... What are dinosaurs if not fidgetable? Yes. Is that a word? It is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, again, I feel like when Hannah introduced us, Hannah, mm-hmm. who's an incredible comic artist. Lovely person. The the mush inside her brain is the mush inside my brain. And Which is the bush inside, mush inside my brain as well. Yeah. it's But um, I feel like that was like an introduction, especially when I met Sarah as well. It was like, hey, these people got married. Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jurassic Park. Yes. Wedding thing. So for, for people who don't know, because you weren't at our wedding, uh, <laughs> yeah. we got married at the uh, Natural History Museum in Los Angeles. That too. And we decided to do our ceremony in, front, in the big foyer where there's a T-Rex and a Triceratops. <sighs> skeleton or uh, fossils sort of like attacking each other. And we did something that was very unconventional, which is uh, my family's from Iran and you do like a big sofra act, which is like this big table spread of all these very traditional things that are symbolic of stuff. And I'm pretty sure we're the first people to ever put that in front of giant dinosaur bones and make that the backdrop for our wedding. I was going to say you have a copy of v- Jurassic Park on VHS on the table yeah. too. <laughs> Other sacred family. It's part of an ancient Persian tradition, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, loving the Jurassic Park movies. But yes, and then unbeknownst to me, so, you know, we did it at the museum. It was like all this beautiful stuff that was happening and all this crazy, like, you know, dioramas of of different animals. And about, I don't know, probably 1130, 1145 Sarah's like, you got to come with me outside right now. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we're <laughs> dancing and having fun and do whatever. She's like, we have to, you have to come right now. I had no idea. Whoa. Apparently, she had tracked down an old um, Jurassic Park Jeep. And that was the thing that we left the wedding in. We didn't get a limo. We had a Jurassic Park Jeep. And one of our friends, one of her friends made this Just Married sign, which, you know, uh, takes place in the Jurassic Park logo. But instead of saying Jurassic Park, it says Just Married. So, we drove off. <sighs> And everybody was singing, da na na yeah. na na Oh, my God. Walking away. It was pretty fun. It, and it is very, it is that thing that I was, I've been talking with other people recently. I feel like adults who sort of maintain our, you know, it's, and I don't even think it's people who maybe are in the creative industry like yeah. you are. You know, you were a first AD and now you're a, a brilliant comic artist and all oh, this stuff. You. And like, so it's not even just that of like creative people who like keep in touch with stuff like this. It's. You know, it's just people who are like, hey, I, the world is cruel and I don't want to let go yeah. of those things. And I guess I should just start at the very beginning. Do you remember seeing Jurassic Park or were oh, you yeah. a dinosaur kid at all? Like, I remember how, when, how did it all come together? <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> uh, yes. No, I very much. I, I think I was right in that sweet spot. Um, so I went to uh, film school, as, as we've talked about before, and I and I met quite a few people who had like a similar experience where like that ended up being a touchstone for everyone. So, uh, in 1993, I was, I had just turned like 10 years old. Oof, so nice. I was like fucking in it. Oh yeah. Like, cause, cause yeah. I, I've mentioned this on many episodes that if you were, I would say under 10, there was, I mean, even actually up to probably 13, which you think PG 13, mm-hmm. that it was truly a flip of the coin. If you, yeah. if your parents allowed you to watch yes. Jurassic yes. Park, it didn't, it, I mean, cause I know people that saw Jurassic Park when they were like four or five, mm-hmm. but like I was six when I saw in theaters, like mm-hmm. people who were again, like a preteen who weren't allowed to yet or whatever. Yeah. And like, 
I mean, my my uh, ex is Mormon, and like she wasn't supposed to see it, you know. Right, right. She was a little bit older and stuff <laughs> like that. Like it's stuff like that where it's just so for you, you were like primed and locked in. I, yeah, I was primed and locked into it, and in like a lot of ways, Jurassic Park, aside from just being this, you know, I, I'm sure you've talked about this plenty of episodes of like it's not just the fact that it's the first and pretty much only real big movie that's about dinosaurs as far as like a franchise that we had seen. But of course it very famously ushers in this era of CG being like this. So it was like on all cylinders at that age, I was like, like my mind blown. And I, and the other thing I remember about it, it was the first time that I went to a movie and I remember coming out of the theater and seeing a fucking line around the block. I'd never seen that before. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. We went and saw it at like, 11 a.m. or something. My mom was like, "Oh, let's go see the." Because I was excited about. It. She's like, "Yeah, let's go see it." So I remember it was. I don't, maybe I just wasn't paying attention before because we didn't wait in line to go in to see it. Yeah. But I remember coming out and being like, "I have never seen a line like that for oh, a movie." Yeah. And then I remember hearing the stories about Star Wars that people had talked about, yes. and like in the 70s of like people just coming out and there's lines around the block for it. And I remember having a moment of being like, even at 10 years old, being kind of like, "Oh, this is kind of like a Star Warsy like fucking phenomenon yeah, yeah. type thing that's happening." So it really registered with me in like the sort of the enormity of it. It is interesting that cause I, I, uh, Jurassic Park, I think has famously caused a lot of people to become paleontologists. Yeah, of course. But I think it's also famously, uh, a lot, uh, like inspired a lot of people to become filmmakers as Very well. Very much so. Yeah. And I never thought about that angle too, of like, not only dinosaurs are real. Yeah. Oh, how do you make this? Yeah. But just maybe even an element of like, Oh, there's this ecosystem in which movies come out yeah, and yeah. there's a film industry. And yep. it's not just like, you know, I, I think a lot about like the Lord of the Rings extended edition mm-hmm. being sort of an extension. The next phase of that being like, wow, a movie set and like yep. the camaraderie and all that yeah. stuff. But I feel like for me, like watching the James Earl Jones behind the scenes documentary, yep, like after, course. after like, you know, fall of 1994, Jurassic Park is going to come out on NBC. And mm-hmm. then the, like the VHS being a huge thing. And then like a behind the scenes doc that played on t- NBC or whatever. <laughs> like it, it just felt like, I mean, again, there were other things that came before that, but I feel like no, it definitely was, was just uh, like the perfect storm of, of yeah. your imagination. And then also like, just thinking about the real world of how movies are made. A lot of stuff congealed at that point. And then, you know, uh, from there I went, so this would have been the summer before the fifth grade. Yeah. So the other thing I remember, which I don't remember the book, but I do remember that summer getting the book. Oh, cool. And it was also the same summer that my cousin, <laughs> cause I had a Walkman by the way, but <laughs> if people still remember what a fucking Walkman is, if you even know what a tape is, <laughs> uh, my cousin, had a copy of Pearl Jam's 10 Ooh. on tape. And uh, I remember that summer just voraciously reading through this book, listening to Pearl Jam's 10 just on loop. You just, <laughs> it's like the T-Rex like coming in. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's like a, that's a, that's definitely like a, a 90s vibe. Oh, very much so. Oof. Yeah. Like Beanie Babies are are just coming out. X Files premiered in September of ninety oh, three. X Files, yeah, X Files. Like, it was a great time, man. It was fucking people. We're not lying when we're talking about the nineties being great. It really was really <laughs> fun. Uh, and but I, I love that because I do have very distinct memories of because I was ten when the Lost World came out, mm-hmm. and that and I had not only distinct memories of waiting in line to see that. Actually, mm-hmm. the movie theater that I saw Jurassic Park Lost World JP three. And then my dad and I ran down to Orange County to see Fallen Kingdom there a few years ago. Mm-hmm. 
that movie theaters was just torn down and turned into oh, a no. Tesla dealership. Ugh. Um, oh, insult to injury. I know, RIP. Ugh. But but that Awful. idea of not only is there yeah lines for the movies, um, but like marketing and the toys are coming. The toys, out. yeah. Were you were you a dinosaur kid? Were you did you oh, like yeah. the Jurassic Park toys and all that stuff? I loved you know dinosaurs. I was just thinking about this because when you had asked me to to be on this, and I was like, man. It's so funny that like every, it's like a rite of passage, obviously. Right. But yeah. What a funny, insane thing that we all got to do in school where the teachers are basically like, Hey, you know, the earth that we all live on right now. Yeah. There used to be these fucking crazy (laughs) monsters that lived here like a really long time ago and we don't have pictures of them, but we have weird bones and they basically all like burst into flames when this comet and like. I can't think of a more insane thing for like a seven-year-old to u- just spark their imagination in like a really crazy way. Yeah. It's so, like the opposite of learning about death. You're like, no, honestly, there yeah. was so much life before this. It's just like, especially if you're like on the visual kind of creative side of it. Like I remember like having very vivid, like, which is why some of the feather stuff to me still creeps me out. Cause I'm like, no, this is not conducive with like everything that I would thought in my sure, head. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Of course I understand like science is different and it, you learn more stuff. But no, I was I was very much into it. I was I, the Ankylosaurus was my favorite when I oh, was cool. in the second grade. Uh, I had a poem that I had written about it for a class, <gasps> which the only <laughs> the only line I remember is that the Ankylosaurus is no midnight snack. If you try to heat him, you'll you'll break your back. Oh, that was my I version. Love that. Of, you know, I'm like the William Shakespeare of the second grade. Wow, everyone everyone I've talked to recently since relaunching the podcast or whatever I want yeah. to call it, we've all been obsessed with uh, herbivores that can fuck you up because <laughs> we're sensitive kids Ugh. and we're basically like, I will fuck you up because I have to, but I don't really want to. Yeah. I just yeah. want to be chill. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I, I do want to, this, you just inspired me though, to jump ahead a little bit to your, to your Mothman. Oh yeah. Is graphic novel the proper word for that comic one's book? That, that one's so Mothman Guidebook, is, is kind of like, like a, a, yeah, it's like situation. a humor travel guide. That's like a, it's yeah. There's drawings in it and stuff. It's not technically a, a graphic novel because there's no proper. There is an there's a story ish to it. Yeah, but there's not like a narrative. There's not like a clear never their narrative the way there are in like the Perma Friends books, for example. Yeah, but it's one of those things where like I find that stuff so delightful because again, like the original Jurassic Park book is framed as like a the the Isla Nublar incident and like yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's it's um. My my dad and I's favorite ten dollar word uh, of Michael Crichton's work for similitude oh, of okay. like yeah, yeah. the notion that the the thing that you're reading or engaging with is a document of something that actually happened, right, 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 which he was such a fan of, and and even Dinotopia, which is another huge touchstone of dinosaur media, which is like yeah. framed as almost like you know I was gonna say Charles Dickens, uh, Robinson Crusoe, or like a you know like um. Robert Louis Stevenson, sort of like, yeah, yeah. you know, tre- Treasure Island or whatever. Like a leave um, behind prop almost or something that you yeah, find. Yeah. Which it, by today's standards feels like a marketing thing almost. Like, well, yeah, it's become yeah. such a huge because everyone are such lore hounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was going to say, your Mothman, again, compendium. Yeah, like yeah compendium. Yes. It's, it's framed again <laughs> as this sort of like Mothman going through and seeing all yes. the cryptids. I guess, you know, because as you're saying, of you know, these are these crazy, insane creatures that existed. Do cryptids occupy almost a similar space in that way? Or they're more exciting because you're like, they could be real. Like, like where did that interest come in? Because I've actually never really been that much of a cryptid person, mm-hmm. but it is such a huge touchstone as far as like when you think of like ocean stuff, you know, monsters. And then cryptids are almost like. 
I guess maybe the sensitive person's version of like yeah, badass no, monsters. I was going to say the same thing that you were just talking about, about like the herbivores with like spikes and shit where it's like, I mean, a lot of these uh, cryptids are just, to me, it's like funny. It's like Bigfoot is just like, just leave me alone. Like, <laughs> just fucking leave me alone. Let me do my shit in the woods. It doesn't matter. Stop taking pictures of me. Like, just fuck off. Like, yeah, yeah. I relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I love your Nessie. Uh, <laughs> So fun. The plea and again, plesiosaur and, yes. and that notion. And that's another thing that I haven't quite delved into on the podcast, at least, is that mm-hmm. notion that I mean, which is I mean, Lost World sitting on the screen right now yes. in your place. It's like which Michael Crichton was referencing, like this idea that maybe some something something has survived that you know it like was that another was that another angle of that that kind of interested you too well i mean part of what they say crypt i mean i'm gonna slaughter this definition but it's basically (laughs) like a cryptid is like a it's theoretic it's like something that science hasn't technically like classified as like a real thing yet yeah so it sort of exists in two spaces of being like real but it's or maybe it's like you you don't know if it's real because science hasn't decided officially that it is yeah but that doesn't necessarily it means it's unreal you know, so for example, like a, like a squid in the water, like a giant squid forever was like this thing where they're like, we don't know, like there's mm, weird yeah, lore yeah. about it. And that ends up being like a real thing. They just sort of hadn't been able to track it down. And yeah. So it, to me, it's always like, it's, it's rooted in this idea of not fucking knowing what exists yeah, and being not just okay with it, but just loving the idea that like, you know, especially now, like. Everyone's like, oh, I know everything. And I've gone on like a Reddit sub thread and I've gone on this like Wikipedia rabbit hole. And I'm like, fuck you. No one knows anything, you know? <laughs> and so like the the idea of cryptids just allows me to sort of be like, okay, like let's just, it's, even if it's dumb, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. even if it's not real, that's not the point. The point is to sort of subscribe to this idea that like you don't know everything and that's fun. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't cool. necessarily be scary. It should be fun because that means that the, there's something exciting that you don't know. It could be one thing. It could also be something horrific, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can well, sort of go in whatever direction. I mean, to even date this episode a little bit, although this will, I think it's been a while since, but like they recently did the largest sweep of Loch Ness. Yeah, I like, saw that a couple of weeks ago. You know, yeah, and yeah. it's like, nope, nothing. But that's that's really important though, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. I think it whether or not Loch Ness is actually, whether or not the monster is there is besides the point. Yeah, I think yeah. like everybody is kind of coming together, coming together to agree that like this thing should, it's like a mascot, right? Yeah. It's like a, like a fucking sports team mascot of yeah, some yeah. sort. It's like, it's something to rally behind, but instead of it being about a sport, it's about like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a giant you know, fucking yeah, yeah. dinosaur in this lake or yeah. in this lock or whatever? And yeah. like, that's cool. That's all you really want. It's, it's, it's a form of play as an adult in a way that like, I think is really important and like necessary, not just to be in the creative space, but also just to like allow yourself to have fun a little bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And to not, yeah. Feel, yeah. Like you're saying, not feel like you have to know everything. It just, it just, I had this just thought now of like, because we're finally starting to get rid of all the racist caricature mascots. Mm-hmm. What if we just replace them with cool dinosaurs? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Everything should be a dinosaur. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're you like, got, you got my vote. Yeah, Atlanta. It's like the Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta ankylosaurus. Anky- yeah, ankylosauruses. Yeah, it's yeah, perfect. Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's this thing that I also think about too, as like dinosaur adults or or whatever Jurassic Park adults or people who stay in touch with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have a phase where you like got out of it, or was it this thing you loved Jurassic Park as a kid, and then you were like, I'm going to go to film school. I'm going, you know, did that kind of carry through as an adult or, yeah, because I, I know yeah. that you, because, because we met recently and yeah. you had like switched from being a first AD to now being like, sure. you know, comic artist and podcaster and all that stuff. Yeah. Was that something that carried through or did you have a phase where you're like, I don't need this shit anymore? 
No, I don't think there was ever a phase where I was like too cool for it. I mean, I might not have necessarily been. So you have to remember too, even when I, my, my first AD years were like, that was my day job kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. So I was still working on my own projects and scripts oh, cool. and stuff. Uh, not so much in the fantastic realm, just sure. because in film that ends up being a lot more, at least for me, more complicated and expensive. <laughs> but if you try and write, you something. were like in your brain being like, yeah. how do I film this? Like, yeah. what's the budget? It literally. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's sort of what's been so freeing about going back into, cause my first love was illustration and drawing and stuff. So, uh, that's, what's been freeing about going back into that is like, Got well, it. I could just draw whatever the fuck I want and I don't have to worry about <laughs> the practicality of it. I just have to worry about the practicality of being able to draw it and put it on a piece of paper. But no, I don't think I was ever like Jurassic Park, especially the first one, yes. is still like this. Uh, it's not just that it's this fun, entertaining movie. It also still has these like, you know, just enough kind of big brain themes of of man and trying to control nature and life finds. It's not like super duper deep, but it's yeah. it's deep enough where you're like even in the angsty teen years where you're like too cool for stuff. I remember thinking like, yeah, no, it's still, this is, this is cool. This has got a fucking going on. Like, well, yeah. And I think it's timeless for that reason. Yeah. I think it's just when I think about being 14 and seeing Jurassic Park three and almost that being kind of your first heartbreak, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, because I think like you said, you know, and you kind of just really crystallized it where it's like, I can imagine at any age discovering Jurassic Park and yeah, like having the fun little bit of big brain kind of, yeah. I mean, really trying to, you know, lessons that have become even more true and very much so. Yeah. But, but sort of that, yeah, that first sort of moment where you realize that not everything is great or like, you know, <laughs> not every movie is perfect. Sure. Right. And I obviously have a lot of fun with Jurassic Park three. I have a lot of love in my heart for that movie, but I just felt like I, it was really was only until the word started getting out that like, Jurassic World was happening that I was like, oh, okay. Maybe. And like, yeah. I, I I bought a box of Jurassic Park tops trading cards back when like, yeah. you could buy that stuff for $10 still yep. on eBay or yep, whatever. Yep. I discovered, oh, there's a YouTube channel that uh, Jurassic Collectibles where he talks about, you know, collecting Jurassic Park merch. And I'm like, wait, there's other adults who love Jurassic Park? Like, <laughs> see, that's, that was my journey that's, back into it. You know what's weird to me about it is I just assumed everybody loved Jurassic Park. Yeah. The idea that people would be into Jurassic Park seems like people would be into oxygen or something. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> why Why would you not be into this? Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because it was like literally every kid when I was in school. Yeah. It was like every kid was obsessed with it. I guess for me, it was more of like... Because when I think about Star Wars, it's like there yeah. was all the tie-in stuff. There was, sure, right, right, right. you know, a lot of the Star Wars. Well, I mean, and again, like I grew up at a point where like the special editions were so imminent that like, yeah, I never really grew up in a time without Star Wars. Whereas mm -hmm. I feel like I can imagine people who were like, who were maybe ten when Return of the Jedi came out. Yeah, yeah. And then you had that period like yep. from like 1984 to. When the VHSs for the tri original trilogy came out, where you were yeah, like, was, this is a dry spell, like 95 yeah. or something or 93 or... I think I remember hearing um, an interview with Kevin Smith where he talked about that specifically. Oof. Because he talked about the importance of the toys. Yeah. Because he said that we all went and saw, you know, Empire Strikes Back and then we saw Jurassic... Or, I'm sorry, Jurassic Park. We went and saw Return of the Jedi. That's my double feature. Yeah, right. <laughs> It'd be fucking great. He's like, we went and saw Return of the Jedi and we came out of the theater and he's like, it's not playing on TV you don't have a fucking like Blu-ray that you're watching. He's like, all we had were the toys. And he's like, the toys became this really important part of us replaying it yeah. and sort of like engaging in this, like trying to re trying to remember it as well as we could and trying to like create our own stories with it. And so he was like, it's a really, it, it was one of those conversations where he's talking about like, you know, he misses those days of like, there is this beauty in like not having something and having those limitations where it ends up 
sparking this creative side of you, but it was specifically about that dry spell that yeah, you're talking yeah. about, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, no, it's interesting because yeah, the the period between JP3 and Jurassic World, 14 years, I believe. Yeah, because 2001 and then 2015. Was it really that much of a yeah, yeah. gap? Holy shit. Like, it's wild to think that that could even happen again. Like, yeah, the gap between that, between something like, because it's not like JP3 did bad. I was going to say, it did pretty well, right? Yeah, it just didn't do, you know. Gangbusters. I mean, what's Joe Johnson? Is yeah, that the Joe director? Johnson, Poor yeah. guy. I mean, it's like taking over Spielberg. It's Spielberg's job is like, that's not an easy job to do. And he wasn't even necessarily somebody who had directed that many films, I think, at that time. Yeah, no, he is an ILM Rocketeer guy. and then, uh, ooh, what else? I can't remember off the top of my head. But for you, when you were in film school. Yeah. Was that was like, because I still think like even when I felt like I was too school, like not, not that I ever felt too cool for school for Jurassic, but like, mm. uh, I think I've said to you before, I'm like, I was just like a criterion hoe in college and oh, it was right. like discovering Godard and all these things. Sure. And it was like, I don't know. I felt like for a while, I definitely like I had my 22nd birthday was a Jurassic Park birthday, which maybe nice. that really ushered back in my like Jurassic Park into my adult life. Yeah, yeah. But was it, was that the case in film school? You're saying for me, no, because or, or just just in when you were in film school, were you somebody that did you go because you wanted to like be? Yeah, I, I mean, again, what was your film school experience like? I'm just curious. Oh yeah, um, well, I mean, in terms of framing it, it's interesting because I I went to USC for grad school, which in um, was it? I started 2009, so I think like 2007 or eight. Uh, very famously, George Lucas donated like. A yes, yes, I remember dollars. because I was in. I went to UCSB, and yeah. all of us at UCSB were like, "Oh, mother, yeah. God, damn it!" So, like you know, yeah. like I mean, I love UCSB, and like, oh, I, I like have no regrets. I'm so glad I went there. But it was just very funny where it was like the circuit of like there's probably people at UCLA and people yeah. like, at NYU, and we're just like. <laughs> Nope. Yeah. Can can we have some of that? Yeah, you know, no. like, oh, that's so funny. Wow. That was, that's I such got a in on, memory. I got in when the getting's good. Oof. Oh, I love that. I think I was the part of the second class that taught um that went fully digital. Whoa. So interesting. like basically they were shooting on, you know, the the earlier the typical USC the master's program is usually about three years. And the first year is all kind of foundation stuff. So usually they would make you shoot on film for the first couple um classes. But I think the second the class before us was the first one. We were all shooting on fucking EX1s, I think is what we were filming okay. on, the old Sonys. But those have the P2 cards? Yeah, 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 exactly, Ooh. the P2 cards. I'm like, uh, it's just like the... Yeah, right, bringing like, it back. I'm like, that's a letter. I haven't heard that those two letters, or that letter <laughs> number together forever. Um, but anyway, long story short, um, we were living in the shadow of the Lucas method. The head of the sound department was Tom Holman, who invented the THX method. <laughs> Uh, who very Incredible. famously every fucking test that we would take, he would, the last question was always, what does THX stand for? <laughs> and then he would, and the correct answer, quote unquote, to Tom was uh, the Tom Holman experience. So, and if you didn't circle Tom Holman experience, he would mark you down for it. Uh, it's a little tidbit of fun That's for you. So funny. But he, he would show us, uh, he showed us like Star Wars without any of the sound on it. Like the scene in the beginning of the first one of A New Hope where, Darth Vader comes in and, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, breaks all that shit up. So, you know, we had, he had clips of it or sorry, the rough cuts of it before any of the sound got laid. So you heard all the production sound. Wow. He played us like the layers of Raiders of the Lost Ark of the, um, of the giant rock boulder scene Yeah, yeah. to just sort of describe like, here's how layering sound works. Here's how uh, audio comes out. Anyway, uh, this is all a very long way of saying that like the Spielbergian kind of, um, 
method of filmmaking of like that new, not necessarily new Hollywood, but like the new Hollywood blockbuster. Sure. Yeah. Is, is very much. Uh, what a lot of the teachers taught. So yeah. it, it was less about, which is not to say we didn't watch any of this sort of as, you know, the snooty criterion stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It tended to be more new Hollywood and, yeah, yeah. and more in that vein. I, not, I don't think that George Lucas was like supervising what we were being taught or anything. Sure, I just sure. think that like the school and USC is like a very industry focused. Well, yeah, you're in LA. It's yeah. like you're really prepped there. Whereas U- UCSB, at least because Actually, it's funny because when I, right as I left UCSB, they got a huge donation. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so the people who were like the few classes after me, it's like brand new studio, like uh, oh, they had stage and yeah. like green screen spaces yeah. and all this stuff and sound, like Foley rooms and stuff and Amazing. everything. Like, you know, I was doing Foley like in, in like the teacher's office, you know, after, awesome. on the weekends or whatever, which was also very fun. But um, this just made me think as far as, because I've recently talked like fun Jurassic trivia and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we were kind of jumping back. We've jumped back and forth with stuff like that. I, I feel like only recently, more as an adult, did I learn that like George Lucas was kind of really supervising the sound of Jurassic Park because Spielberg. Oh, I don't was, think I knew that. Oh, because uh, Spielberg was off doing Schindler's List. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, again, because like. You know, we saw that we, I mean, we, yeah, yeah, we showed went, me an yeah. incredible Jurassic documentary. I'm so thankful you showed it to me. And it's wild to me that more people haven't seen it, unless since I've posted about it, since yeah. you showed it to me, hopefully more people in the Jurassic community have seen yes. it. Jurassic Punk. Jurassic Punk. But that was that. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, we're in the middle of a, a writers and actors strike right now. Yeah. It's all the, the credits and all these things and work hours, you know, all the, all the fun, you know, <laughs> doing stuff in the industry. But that was like kind of a trivia point of like, uh, and it's, I think it's just been one of those trivia things that has been around, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, oh, okay, you're going off to, you know, you're going off to Europe to film a Schindler's List. Uh, you know, I'll help out. You know, I got all the guys here. That's a pretty good George impression. Skywalker like Ranch. It, yeah. And, uh, you know, but it's just that idea of, yeah, I don't know. The, I, I feel like that generation of filmmakers, they were kind of the people to really like almost make it look really fun to make movies in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I know? mean, I mean, th- this is, I'm not the first person to ever say this by any means, but like, you know, they're, they changed the industry and they made it all about, you know, these huge blockbusters and George Lucas in particular, I think understood again, I've, I'm parroting stuff that I've just heard so many times. I'm hearing myself say this and I'm like, I'm just repeating stuff that I've heard over but this and over is, again. This is but. the shit that like you probably, and like what we've done where it's like, you're just, you know, it's that exciting bit of like, not only connecting over the movie. And I think it is that thing of like Jurassic park and then eventually Lord of the Rings. And, you know, I think some other movies since then Lord of the Rings, man, talk about like, I was in college when that, came. that, that was the other like big, I was talking to Sarah about this the other day. And I'm like, I fuck it. I just hear the intro music. Yeah. And I just like, I'm still like, I fucking love yeah, this yeah. movie so much. <laughs> I always, I always <laughs> joke that like the, the sort of, uh, the only way that men were able to healthily cry in the early two thousands oh, was yeah. watching Gandalf's death, you oh. know? It's like, thankfully, we're not, we, you know, we can cry to many moments in Lord yes. of the Rings and other movies, but like, but, but, um, uh, okay. So your, your original point, we were talking about what the program was like. Yeah. So yeah. The, pro, the USC is geared very much towards being, it's an industry school and their, their sole intention is to like get you a fucking yeah. job when you get out. Not in the sense that they're helping you get a job, but they're essentially like kind of pre-training you 
so that when you go on a set and the USC mafia is a real thing. <laughs> like when you come out of school, if people know that you were in the program, they're like, oh, okay, who do you know? You know, this person, that person. It's like, it's very like, you're just fucking plugged right in. See, I, I feel like you, UCSB students lucked out in a way because I always felt like, yeah, when I came down to LA, finally, it was like, yeah, if they're a USC person mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm from UCLA, it's yeah. like, yeah. redo. Like, it, it, so it's not even necessarily that we like, sure. dislike the UCLA no, no, people. Yeah, yeah. It's it, honestly, the way I equate it was like, USC teaches you, and this is the part about the program that I thought was really actually quite effective. Yeah. It makes you fucking so reliant on other people. It makes you like codependent on other people. <laughs> and they're basically like, and, and the point of it is it's not to be bad. It's to be like, you cannot fucking make a movie without other people. So yeah. if you fucking hate effort. these people, you need to figure out a way to work with them. Yeah. And there's a famous class or not famous, like within the, within the program, the second semester is this class called 508. Uh, it's this class number called 508 where you make three short films throughout the course of the semester and they pair you with two other people. So you're in these trios, but it's random. Oof. You have no idea who it Oof. is. They'll just randomly choose you. And so the first film, so you'll rotate. So yeah. one film, you're the director. Got it. The second film, you're the, I'm sorry, the writer director. The second film, you're the cinematographer. And then the third film, you're the um, editor and the producer. Okay. And so you just switch hats. So whether or not you fucking like these people or hate them, you are completely reliant on them to make Ugh. the film work. Ugh. And it's this excellent, yeah. excellent, uh, I lucked out. Actually, two of my best friends from fucking SC are these two girls that I was paired with, uh, Josie and Kelly, who I'm still dear friends with to this Oof. day. But like, that's rare. That like yeah, almost yeah. never happens in that class. So it teaches you to just be like, you can't do this on your own. You have to get along. And it's, it's, it's a lesson that I feel like I've taken into every fucking job I do, even the stuff that's not film-based. Yeah. Where it teaches you to just be like, you need to get along with people at the end of the day and you need to fucking deliver no matter how much you want to like die on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I will say that like the, 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 the benefit again of like, because whether it was like imagined or whatever, the rivalry between USC or UCLA, I felt like whatever that was, I don't really know what it was or whether it was real, but it was more like everyone was happy to see people from UCSB. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. we were like up there from the like beach. The neutral and the, people. Yeah, sort yeah. Of, yeah. So I always felt like I felt very welcomed by everybody. Oh, but, that's nice. But I don't like, think I ever met any UCSB people at, on like any of the sets. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's like, it's very incestuous. Like you end up just being on all the USC sets. Too. Yeah, yeah. Because again, they've, it's almost like army training or something where you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you guys are in the Marines, we're in the infantry. Yeah, right. A lot like of those people. in animation, like yeah. a lot of, you know, got into other types of writing or whatever, but yeah, um, that's so fascinating. Yeah. That's really cool. So we're, we're sort of pre, pre-programmed for it in a way and like we're prepped and like ready to go and like, you know, it's very easy assuming you're not a total dipshit having gone through the program. Like yeah, you yeah. Can, you can come out of school and like, you know, be working on something, you know, you're, you're not necessarily like the producer or the, uh, but it's also, we're not making with the exception of like a couple people that really, really became very successful that were in my, in our class. Uh, you're not necessarily having people who are like super artsy fartsy um, <laughs> films. It's more like it's, you know, it's an industry school. Like they're there to make, they're there to teach you to be in the film industry. Well, and I also feel like it's, as you get older, you're, you feel less pressure to define your personality by stuff like that, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, you're just like, I like making things like what can yeah. I make? How can I fun? Yes.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Did you draw dinosaurs as a kid? Was that something? Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. I was, again, Ankylosaurus was the one that I used to, because the spikes are so fun and weird. And yeah. I, like all over the back. And then the tail is like this big, like fucking club, club yeah, of yeah. a thing. Uh, I remember, it's funny. I, there's, who was I talking to? Um, I was drawing something recently. Oh, I was drawing this thing, which I was going to show you this weird Goomba drawing I have, which I'll explain to you later what that's for. Uh, I have this thing where, Every time I draw something that is reptilian, if I, I'll draw the lips and then I'll draw these like what look like bumps over the lips. And I realize it's because I spent so much time as a kid copying drawings of like a T-Rex or of a Velociraptor's okay. face. And I remember that that's the, the way that the scales lined up over the oh, lips. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's just like this weird thing that just embedded in the back of my brain. And I automatically do that even now still as an adult. Oh, so, wow. Yes, I, I spent plenty of time doing those things. Did the ankylosaurus scene, ankylosaurus, I don't know. Did did that scene in Jurassic World stand out to you at all? Yes. I actually was just, because I rewatched it last week. Oh, cool. Uh, this is uh, Fallen Kingdom. And I remember being really excited that that was like, I was like, oh my God, I don't think I, I just, for some reason I didn't register because I only had seen that movie once uh, when it came out of the theater, which I actually liked that movie a lot more oh, okay. than, I, I remember being like, I kind of feel like that one got slept on a little bit because yeah. it was... Because as far as the Jurassic World trilogy is concerned, I I don't really like love any of them. Yeah, yeah. I think they're like whatever. Yeah, I get what they are. I get why they were so popular, but I, I they don't. You know, again, old man yells at cloud <laughs> like they they don't hold a candle to the original yeah. Jurassic Park movies that I saw when I was a young boy. Uh, but yes, I did. I did love that whole. Just to talk about that movie for a second, like yeah, that yeah. whole fucking auction sequence is the most insane thing ever, and I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, but yes, the Ankylosaurus, and that was it was very exciting. When well, I saw and it. even the one in well, the one in Jurassic World meets the when it gets flipped over. Oh, I don't remember. I haven't seen Jurassic World in a long oh, okay. time. Oh shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, that one's I because that all just to me the thing that I really liked about the new trilogy was like anytime that like a favorite dinosaur of mine got finally represented in yeah. that style. Yeah, you know, because like um, the Carnotaurus is like Ooh, which one was the Carnotaurus in uh, Fallen Kingdom, and then in dominion it's the one with like the the um what am i the the bullhorns it looks like the bullhorns oh, okay 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 like when they're when the when the volcano is happening yes faces off against the t-rex ah uh, okay, so okay that was always like especially because there's a really iconic scene from the lost world book featuring okay. them doing like camouflage oh really and so yeah it's just 
they never replicated that scene because they didn't end up having a camouflage situation like that. But yeah. like, yeah, it's just one of those things wow. where it's like, ooh, I finally get to see yeah. a dinosaur that childhood uh, memory or sorry, childhood aspiration unlocked. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, achieved. And like how the uh, in Jurassic World Dominion there was the flying reptile, the Quetzalcoatlus. Yes. Like that's like because it's like when we watch dinosaur documentaries, they always have one of those bad boys like who's like, you know, 40 foot wingspan or whatever <laughs> at the field museum in, in Chicago, they yeah. have a life-size one. Like, look how big this is. I'll oh, post this Jesus photo. Christ. Like huge. It's just like that thing, Terrifying. like taking down an airplane and you're just, yeah, like, I buy it again. It's just the, the thrill of that those existed. And so here, here's like a weird question. That's probably, you can't separate one from the other. Do you consider yourself a dinosaur fan because you're obsessed with Jurassic park? Or are you obsessed with Jurassic Park because you're obsessed with dinosaurs still? It's funny because that's a question that I, too, ask. Oh, you do you really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's so funny. And I thought we just more dived into Jurassic Park first, but like... <laughs> Sorry, I got ahead. No, no, I'm no. also a podcaster, so no, I've already no, no, started no, to like I mean, ask these questions. That's usually the opening kind of question, but um, it's funny because I haven't, as I'm just coming back into the show more and stuff, and it's been more in my mind, it, I almost realized that because I was just, at, you know, I was six when the movie came out, mm. that like, I definitely was a dinosaur person first but like it almost feels like a technicality like yeah yeah you know where you're like because the Jurassic Park book came out in 1990 mm-hmm. and like it was already optioned the moment it came yeah, out yeah. I mean it was it was optioned before it came probably out probably before yeah he I was already all this, yeah, 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 yeah was already in the, like an it, industry I, guy I, I feel point. like it was one of those things where like when when I see documentaries or see Every time I see people talking about that situation again, like every few years, it'll be like James Cameron was 10 minutes away from getting the rights or right, right. You know, Tim Burton was going yeah. to make it. And Tim Burton was going to make the dinosaurs attacks trading cards. But because of Jurassic Park, he decided to do Mars attacks instead and like oh, okay. stuff like that. And it's just like it was in the air. Mm-hmm. Like my mom was a Spielberg fan. Mm-hmm. Close Encounters is her favorite movie or nice. West Side Story. It's like the oh, okay. the slash thing though, you know, so like. All that stuff was in the air. And yeah. so I feel like, yeah, it's like the more I think about it, it's like, I, you know, I was a dinosaur fan first, but I mean, what a, what a great time, you know, 100%. to have like been like the, oh, what was the thing about the dinosaurs? Technicality being a kid. Oh, just kids like dinosaurs all the time. That's a forever thing. Yeah. Kids always have and always will. You always know? will. It's this, it's this thing that sparks so much of at least my imagination when I was in the secondary. I remember very clearly, I remember like imagining all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, but I don't, I can't say that I've kept up with like my dinosaur knowledge necessarily. Sure. Um, I don't necessarily remember all the different kinds, like, like you being like, oh, like the only one I remember, like the Ankylosaurus was the one that I remembered as a kid that I liked so much. But the I, I don't necessarily remember like half the other dinosaurs in terms of like being so super excited. I mean, I was excited to see them, but I didn't yes. necessarily have that kind of emotional investment. So I feel like the Jurassic Park thing overtook it, which yes. as I was rewatching some of these movies, I was thinking like, it's really crazy how these movies are like, they essentially, the, the franchise is so dominant and it's such a monopoly that like, there's really no, you would think that they're, especially like with the advent of CG, you'd think there'd be like, well, 50 other movies about dinosaurs that are super popular. Yeah. We never, big. we never got our Marvel like superhero. Like there was a few dinosaur movies like in the early to mid nineties, but not like the way superhero movies got or yeah. the way Westerns were. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's so strange. It's like, in it's such a weird reflection of the studio system in general now, which is really bizarre. It's yeah. like, there's no space to have more than it's like there. You can only have the Jurassic park movies be about dinosaurs. Everything else is sort of like either bad or like, and, and it, 
you know, so I was rewatching um, uh, Dominion today and I realized I'm like, it's trying to be like five different movies at the same time. And the part of the problem, aside from that not being as interesting to watch, is that like it's because it's a monopoly and it's the only movie. So they have to incorporate like the fucking uh, what's the scene? The uh, the one in Malta where they're like in the, you know, illegal arms like trading yeah, yeah, the section. Black market, yeah. The black market. Like that could have could have been its own weird small like Guillermo del Toro movie yeah. of like dinosaurs. <laughs> Ooh. Oof. That, but and then oh, like, I love it's that. mixed in with like this Mission Impossible born identity thing that happens. And then it also is like this Marvel movie where it's like trying to, you know, bring all these different threads in and like yeah. resolve all these stories. It's like it's such a shame that there are not more Movies that are just able to sort of run with the dinosaur theme. It's really strange how much it's dominant in that sense. No, it's, it's, yeah, as much as I love Jurassic Park, I wish, yeah, we had all kind. And as I was trashing 60, yeah, 65 we before you, earlier, yeah. but, but I mean, obviously I want them to be good. Of but, course. <laughs> but, but, uh, no, to your point, I mean, that's why I still love Dominion because I think it's an embarrassment of riches, you yeah. know, to the detriment of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but I think your point ultimately is like, yeah, it speaks to this larger issue of like, I'm, and I think I just mentioned this like recently, but like, why, like, Dinotopia is such a big, is, is maybe not as like, you know, obviously not as popular as Jurassic Park, but it definitely was like an 80s dinosaur yeah. thing. And it's like, why didn't we have, um, like a Dinotopia adaptation on like stars to compete with Game of Thrones or something. Yeah, I don't know. Because it is like a, like, or yeah, even a show, like a proper show. Yeah, like you're right. Like fucking, they're certainly throwing enough fucking money at these shows. Yeah, yeah. On cable TV, you'd think you'd have like a crazy big, yeah. But again, it always goes back to like, well, what's a, I think maybe part of the problem is genre. Because yes. really, like, especially the first Jurassic Park movie, it's really, you know, it's an adventure film. It's, it's really just a horror movie. Like, for the most part. It's a horror movie that has an uplifting theme. Yeah, it's got an uplifting theme, but like structurally and like, uh, you know, it was, it was so surprising because we went and saw it accident- yeah, we saw, accidentally we saw the- in 3D <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the 30th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I, I knew this, right? But I, I don't think I had, I actually had not seen it in the theater since. Yeah, that's what was surprising to me. Just, yeah. But also I think it's. Since I had seen it as a kid. It's one of those things where like, it, it is, I, I almost think that like like throwback screenings should be more often because it is exciting oh, to time. see movies in oh, theaters. Like fantastic. Yeah. Like I got to see Jaws in theaters for the first time uh-huh. last year. I saw you guys went to the fucking oh, the lake to see it, right? And I saw Selena in oh, theaters. The yeah. yeah. And not Jaws, but I saw that in oh. IMAX here, oh, but Sarah saw it at that same place too. Oh, oh yeah. She yeah. Saw she Jaws did. out there. Yeah. But, but, um, but seeing Selena in theaters for the first time, mm-hmm. cause I was a kid when they came out and there's just something, I don't know. It's just, Oh, it's yeah. cool. There's no, no, there's no, the choir, yeah. no, no, but like any just interesting observations or things poke out at you. Yes. You know what, what tr- like blew my mind today and I like hadn't even thought of this. I just had this realization today was Hammond. Okay. Wait, I have, let, let me try and like, <laughs> let me try and streamline this as best as I can. Cause I had many thoughts as I tend to do. Uh, also, I'm usually on a podcast where I have to talk about a musical, which I don't like. So it's, <laughs> I don't usually get, I don't necessarily have that problem where I have to share a lot of thoughts, but now I get to talk about something I really love. Uh, the th- okay. So there's one thing that really stood out to me that was really funny that I had not considered, which is uh, Spielberg makes the first two movies. Yes. Spielberg makes these movies in the 90s. The, f- the, the movie industry itself is fundamentally different, obviously, than it is now. Yeah. What's really funny to me was looking at Hammond. Hammond is basically the what you would call the CEO, whatever of 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 like the the villain. Effectively, he's yeah. sort of the villain, but he's not really. Yeah. Uh, 
and what's really fascinating about that character is is not just that they try and make him sympathetic, but it's like he's this guy who had the flea circus. Yeah. He and in essence, I realize I'm like Spielberg being the auteur that he is. That's basically a studio head. Yeah. It's like a guy who owns a studio who loves this product. He gets mad at all these lawyers and other people trying to make it like one thing or another. Yeah, yeah. He's not corporate, even though he is corporate, right? Yeah. He's a moneymaker, but he's like, he's there for the circus. Like, yeah. He loves that thing. It's important to him. It's a thing that matters to him. It's a part, it's like he loves dinosaurs in a way as much as all the people who are there, the paleontologists and stuff do. Fast forward to fucking Dominion. The corporate owner is uh, what's it's Campbell Scott. Campbell Scott. Uh, yeah. What's his character's name? Dotson. Dotson. He's effectively like this cold, detached, super. You know, uh, like he's like a tech, a pharmaceutical tech company. Yeah. Uh, CEO who owns this thing about dinosaurs, who's trying to extract what he can from dinosaurs in order to monopolize the uh, fucking uh, the crop industry by having you know these locusts that are yeah, yeah. militarized and weaponized. And I don't know if this was intentional, but what a perfect metaphor for what has happened to the film industry. Oh. About these conglomerates coming I in, like this tech companies coming in, people who don't give a fuck about the thing that they're making <sighs> and feeling and only trying to extract some value from it so they can use it for some other thing to disrupt another industry and the corruption in that. Versus as much as the people, you know, I'm not saying that studio moguls are like fucking good people by any means. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah. But at the very least, you got the sense that a lot of them, they did love making movies. Like movies were important to them. Yeah. I mean, my whole thing is I want, I think I told you the Michael Eisner thing. Yeah. 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 Where it's like, he so deeply, Michael Eisner so deeply wanted to be Walt Disney. He wanted to be loved. Yes. I don't get the idea that any studio execs now care about no no care about that they don't they're they're the people they're in their uh, self-esteem doesn't hinge on this guy's the, the person who ran walt you know disney and the parks and all this stuff in the 80s and 90s and it's like you got the sense that like the end of the day i get i feel like some i think like john favreau could make a citizen kane uh-huh. or john favreau plays michael eisner <laughs> you you go in the, really you go in the volume and you do all the different Phases of Disney from the eighties, building Tokyo. I would watch France, a Michael Bay. That's my that's my pitch. That cool, yeah. But but like that idea of like Rose, but like you know yeah, his yeah. deathbed, like he's gonna be like the people did not like love me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's Hammond. Hammond like. Yep. And I think what the difference between the book Hammond and the movie Hammond is that. Like there still was like, you know, I think of the line in Jurassic Park, the birth of every little creature on this island, because so often, you know, he loves it. Studio execs and and, and people who are middle managers or people who get so far removed from the process. But Hammond, ultimately, his like sort of redemptive quality is that he still wanted to be there on the ground and see the work being done. Yes. And even help a little bit, which is like, yeah. Wild. Yeah. He's, he's, he's nuts. Like he's totally, he never had control. He keeps trying, but he. There that's is this the illusion. Element. Yeah, that's the, yeah. You never had control. That's the illusion. But I that just occurred to me. Uh, oh, when I, was I love that it. take. I really love I that like, take. Oh, it's so that's so good, right? And it's it's crazy because the other thing I, I thought about was how much it's it's important that the first two movies anyway were Spielberg, which is auteur. and from there they've all gone in this other direction of directors who, you know, they tried obviously, but. You know, like we said, like Joe Johnson is not necessarily a person who like has this really specific point of view and had this thing that he was trying to make it. 
Whereas somebody like, um, like the alien franchise, for example, is, is a good parallel where like every movie they were like, okay, it, they ended up like, fuck, it was like fucking Ridley Scott. Then it was James Cameron. Then it was fucking David Fincher who famously disowned this movie. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, Jean-Paul Genet was the yeah, guy yeah. in the fourth one. Um, for at least that run of like four movies, they understood that like the way to make that franchise really interesting is to like give it to like an auteur director, have them fucking run with it in a way that's totally different. Yeah. And that makes it stay alive. And I think that the thing that Jurassic Park did that in the sort of long term of the franchise is that the mistake that they made was not doing something similar to that. Well, and it's almost like I feel like they tried a little bit by getting Jay Bayona in for right. Fallen Kingdom, that, and yes, then people exactly. kind of rejected it a little no, bit. Right. And so, and then because Colin Trevorrow was, you know, let go from episode nine, which mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I think episode nine is the worst movie ever made. This is um. Uh, it's not a Rise of take. Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. It's yes. not. It's it's not that it's the worst movie ever made because obviously I watched Sharknado in theaters a few weeks ago. <laughs> Why? But for all the resources that could be thrown at something like that, and the fact that it was is what it is, is the most like to me. It's the most like not even heartbreaking. It's just like oh no, it's it it's is. Just, it's, I, here's the worst thing about the Rise of Skywalker. I got to see it on opening day at. The Directors Guild Ooh. with um, because a friend of mine had an extra ticket and I went with him. This is all through, you know, Sarah. My wife's a member of the ADG Art Directors Guild. So we know a bunch of people through there. So we went and saw it there. J.J. Abrams was there. Ooh. Like all uh, fucking a million people were there. It's like I hear like Kirby enthusiasm. And I'm not even blaming J.J. Like it's it's the fact that they were like, we can't wait. We have to, it has to come out like. Right, right. And but so here's the saddest part is that like that should have been this moment of like pure amazing bliss for me and i literally often forget that that even happened like that's how you, underwhelmed you're like so traumatized yeah. <laughs> well so not even traumatized but that's the thing traumatized would imply that i had strong feelings about it Oof. to me i'm just like i literally forget that that movie exists half the time Ooh. i don't i'm not trying to talk shit on it i'm just being honest about like no, i just no. forget it, about it half I, the time I, for me i'm some i'm like a very I, I'm always somebody who loves something when it first comes out, the 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 thrill of the opening night, yeah. like all that stuff. Rise of Skywalker is the only movie where opening night, I was like, ugh, uh, ugh. Just sinking in my chair like, oh, this feels bad. Like, I feel, I'm like, yeah. like starting to disassociate. Like, it's just, and and again, like all this stuff, and again, it's good to talk about because the writers and actors strike going on. It's just like, literally, they were just like, Again, this idea, it's like, find, you know, in, in Dominion, find the girl, like, you know, yeah. uh, like, uh, find Macy, like, who cares what that you did with the locust? Like, you feel guilty? No, you played your part. Like, yeah. all the people who have to work on things that they know that it, there's not enough time to make it good. There's mm-hmm. not enough time to make it perfect. Like, yeah. you know, I've uh, been rewatching Alien 3 recently, and it's like, yeah, the compositing's bad in that movie because they set a release date, and they found yeah. David Fincher, like, the day, be- like, a, a few months before they had to start directing. <laughs> But the 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 thing you just reminded me of, and I again I really love this theory, is like uh Dotson's like last line in the movie mm-hmm. is like even more poetic in that sense because he's like, What's your story? as the Dilophosauruses are all spitting on him. <laughs> because there's something very interesting about the idea that you see Nedry's can of embryos. Yeah. And yeah like yeah. he has that as like a relic. Yeah. So you know, again, this this metaphor for like a modern day studio exec. He finds a relic of this piece of nostalgia, yeah, like a yeah. can of embryos, and yet, he, so that must have meant that at some point, 
Dots, you know, Biosyn or whoever must have gone to the island, mm-hmm. found that can of embryos, mm-hmm. yeah. whether those dinosaurs survived or not, because enough cooling in for 46 hours. Like, and yet he still, so he had the tools that he knew that uh, Nedry died at the hands of a Dilophosaurus. Yeah. And then now he's confronted with them all spitting at him and he's like, huh, what's your story? Interesting. Like, yeah. No idea. Had no idea. No clue what Ooh. any of it is. Ooh, that makes that even more poetic and beautiful to me now. Yeah. I don't know if that's what Trevorrow was necessarily trying to write, but it, it, it was an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. I, I really think that, like, especially with Battle at Big Rock that we watched, uh-huh. that, like, I, I personally feel like, I mean, Leaving, letting, getting like a whatever you want to call it of Star Wars must have been a very humbling experience. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I feel ultimately that like, again, despite how we both feel about this Jurassic World trilogy, I think it made him a better director and a better writer, even though maybe I think so, we're yeah. not satisfied with yeah. everything. But I feel like I personally think that like the good things about Dominion are, are like the are, are almost like the opposite of the bad things about the, that last Star Wars trilogy in a weird way of like, sure, I, yeah, yeah. I love the idea of like slowly introducing more nostalgic characters because, you know, I, I don't, it's like, you don't front load it with this idea of like, like all of our favorite people are sad. And, and, <laughs> and it's like, I like that because it's true and it's real, but I almost, I, I really liked Dominion because I liked that we got reintroduced to all of our favorite, you know, the yeah, trio yeah. and they had their own story going on and we just kind of caught up with them. And I, yeah. I almost, again, it's that embarrassment of riches. Where I'm like, Oh, I wish this would have been. It's too many movies, man. That's like five different movies in one. Cause Jurassic park is its own. And again, another studio thing of like, it's a weird monopoly where like every movie has to be crammed into one movie now. Yeah. And that, that's a perfect metaphor for like, if these conglomerates weren't so gigantic because they have to keep merging and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you could have had like five different studio films that were like mid range and you could have gotten directors who maybe, you know, you don't want to give them a $300 million movie, but somebody who could take like a five or $10 million movie and give them an opportunity to grow. And then all of a sudden you see these new voices and stuff. <laughs> we but, have an A24 Jurassic yeah, Park. Yeah, honestly. I mean, isn't that what fucking that, the Adam Driver movie was that you're talking about? Oh, wasn't that just an A24 movie? No, it wasn't A24, oh, it wasn't. Okay. but... I didn't see it, so I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> That's the unfortunate thing where I'm like, I should be championing alternate dinosaur stuff, but it wasn't even really a dinosaur. I mean, if it wasn't good, it wasn't good, right? What are you going to do? I want to go back to Jurassic Punk just for a second. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I think this is... A lot of this talk is emblematic of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I was so blown away by it because it's such a compelling story and... Again, it just feels like so perfectly now and everything. I forget. Yeah. How did you discover that again? I was on a flight to New York uh, earlier in the year and it just randomly showed up, which is funny because oh, wow. I never watch full. <laughs> I have this weird, I mentioned this on my podcast too, where I have this dumb thing that like my favorite thing to do on flights is to just watch other movies with no sound. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I just like looking at like the cuts of images and sure. it's sort of like, oh, if I can find a, if can I follow the story here or is this yeah, yeah. And it's sort of, it's super ADHD, which when I'm trapped on a plane and I can't go anywhere, it's like the one thing that gives me solace. I mean, look, I have very, I have very strong memories of seeing over the hedge. Oh, yeah. Without, okay, okay. But like watching somebody else's yeah. seat. <laughs> it's weirdly fun to me. But for some reason, I was like skipping through and I was like, oh, Jurassic Punk, what the fuck is this? Because I remember Steve Williams, because I've seen a million docs. Movies that made us? Movies that made us. There's an ILM doc that's on Disney+. Plus. That's right, which I still need to check out. There's all this... I mean, like any of <laughs> I'm giving those, myself homework. Yeah, on right, all this stuff you need to watch. I've seen him in... Uh, what's his name? Mark uh, Dippy, I think. Dippe is his last mm-hmm. name. I've seen... I know those two guys. 
because I followed a lot of like the ILM history stuff. So then I knew that guy, I knew Steve Williams before this. Cool. So I was like, oh, it's a doc about Steve Williams. And I knew that he was kind of like this weirdo, like, you know, machismo kind of like fake army guy, like not really army, but like, you know, would have like boots and cargo pants. Well, it is just, shit. I mean, we've been talking about all the sensitive artists yeah, in yeah, nature yeah. and he just very much, I mean, he, I definitely after watching this documentary, you definitely get that he is that inside, but like yes, yes. his, his exterior is just like, what up you fucking nerds? Yeah. Like Canadian, which is my favorite part. Yeah. Canadian yeah. Who loves guns. Oh yeah. Oh, God, uh, yeah. Which is so funny. But I, and I also knew that he was the one, him and Dippy were the guys who, um, who made the fucking T-Rex. The original CG. CGI test yes. that convinced Spielberg to make Jurassic Park, like to, yeah. instead of doing the stop, the go stop, motion, yeah, yeah. stop motion stop to motion make it with Phil Tippett, basically put Phil Tippett out of a job. Yes. Don't you mean extinct? Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, as somebody who, you know, worked in, I mean, particularly worked on, well, I mean, I guess it's kind of different from what you did because mm. you were working on film sets. Yes. But I mean, like, is it just that, is that just, are you just interested in those kinds of stories of just like how the sausage is made? And then just also the kind of yeah. wild world of like, cause again, we grew up like, I think Lord of the Rings in some ways sort of made us romanticize making movies yes. and in a way that can, that was almost kind of like harmful for our generation. They're, they're very, uh, they're very effective propaganda pieces. Most of these BTS uh, documentaries. And this is the Jurassic punk is not that. No, no, no. It shows you. Yeah. It's like, it's very like, mask off kind of like you know the, this guy like fucking did not like approve of his boss and like made it publicly known and like you know and then he's like i don't know why no one wanted to hire me and like it's kind of like warts and all kind of thing yeah. um but no i think it's harrowing it's like a yeah. ghost it's like a ghost of christmas future kind of yeah movie you know like um but not to over not to like talk too much about george lucas i don't know why we keep it keeps coming up in this conversation but but i mean you know it's THX and, and THX Ranch and, and all, all that this stuff. stuff. But ILM, you know, it's famously up north. So I, I guess part of it too, I always think of like ILM as like, or like our roots in a way. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm from the Bay Area originally. Oh, yeah. So it, they're always, it's like this point of pride. And I don't know why I feel that way, but I just, even though I never, I've been to ILM once, I actually did get to oh, cool. tour the facilities. I don't know. I think I like, it's like, it's the same reason I follow tech stuff where it's yeah. like, I'm not in tech at all, but to me, it feels like, if you're from Texas and like not knowing anything about the oil industry seems kind of weird. Like even just like having a passing understanding of it just cause it's so omnipresent. So like tech and like, you know, uh, ILM and all that stuff feels like, okay, well I, th this is where I'm from. Like this is a big part of the history of like, you know, my surroundings and, and obviously George Lucas was like this huge fucking tower of yeah. everything. Cause like, I think that there's only, I think I've evolved this, but I, but I'm curious to know what you think. There's genetic engineering, the Jurassic Park way to bring mm -hmm. humans and dinosaurs together. Yeah. The idea of like genetic scientists making dinosaurs, the Frankenstein method. Right. How, how do you write, you're basically saying the premise of like, how do you do another dinosaur story? Yes. So you have, you have, you have the Frankenstein method, Jurassic Park method, scientists create dinosaurs. Right. You have alternate history. So you got like something right. like Dinotopia. Right. You have rift in space time, like oh, why can't I remember it right now? That British dinosaur TV series that was on for a long time. 
Oh, I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. Why can't I remember what it's called right now? I, it's so embarrassing. I can hear my friend Tom being like, screaming at the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the recording. Yeah. I love you, Tom. I'm so sorry. Uh, dinosaur British. British. Uh, British. I love a you, Tom. Bit odd, isn't it? Uh, I said, oh, it just gave me British dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, like Baryonyx. Um, when did it come out? When was this? Early 2000s? Oh, dinosaur British TV series. This was like early two. This was like in between Star, uh, uh, Jurassic Park three, Primeval. There we Primeval. go. Sorry, Tom. Uh, Primeval was like there was like a organization that came together because dinosaurs were coming through like portals in space and time and That's stuff. That's cool. So you have, was it a good show? Yeah. No. Okay. Sorry, Tom. I was like, that sounds uh, like a cool premise. Some people really like it. I've heard. I've heard it gets really good after a while. It's like it's like Doctor Who vein kind of stuff or whatever. Yeah. But more like realistic. Uh, and edgy, but yeah. So you have Jurassic Park, you got Dinotopia, you know, alternate, alternate stuff. You got scientists, you got Rift in Space Time. You have just go back in time, back in time, yeah. And then what was the other one? I think that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Or you just no, because that's alternate history. But it's like, yeah. I mean, what else can you listeners like? If there's other methods that I'm totally missing, I mean, or. Just you're in the time of the dinosaurs, land yes. before time. Right, right, okay, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. So yeah. those to me are the are like the kind of five like taxonomy or like genre, or not even genre, but just like the the taxon like the taxonomic method for like how yes. do you make a dinosaur story? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, and that's the thing though. It's it's the genre ultimately is what you need to figure out because dinosaur is not really a genre. Yes. You have to figure out like what the genre of the story is that you would, that would merit telling the story about, involves dinosaurs, yes. whether it's about the dinosaurs or not. Yeah. But I, but I guess in, in the sense of like how we're talking about how Jurassic Park has monopoly on it. I think like one of the issues that has come into is that like, yeah, Jurassic Park, like any modern day franchise where you're, where we're so lore focused, so consistency yeah. universe creating that it, it, that it was like this thing of like, Jurassic Park was this, in a way, edutainment that showed dinosaurs in the first time, but but also it's like, how do you reconcile that with like making a consistent universe when like shouldn't every Jurassic Park movie update the science? You know? Yeah, I, but I also just think too. I mean, like I'm sort of thwarting my own point about yeah, it yeah. being Monopoly, but like it just makes the most sense <laughs> of True. it being like a park. Yeah, uh, and like it, it just is like it hits on the same themes. That it all it, it always hits on the same themes, but they're they're evergreen, man. It's just no, like, no. It's always going to be corporate interest. We're going to try and take it and weaponize it. It's, it does make sense that it would be in a park. It makes sense that they're always going to fucking kill everybody. <laughs> you know, there's always makes sense that the scientists aren't necessarily. It's like science are like the artists battling with the studio kind of thing. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, this is what we think it should be, and other people, they're like animals. And I mean, I will say that the thing I didn't, the other thing that kind of. I understand the extrapolation of what ended up happening with it in the last three movies, but I don't necessarily care for it as much. Sure. Is the sort of, it, it, the really, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? The, the the human qualities that are really placed on all the animals, on, on all the dinosaurs, mm -hmm. where it's like, it's blue. Yeah, yeah. And it's blue's daughter is like a clone. Like, it becomes a little bit goofy to me. Like, sure. I know everyone made fun of the whole Chris Pratt you know, I mean, obviously make fun of Chris Pratt as one does, but <laughs> we've already like shit on the whole like, whoa, like him putting his hands out around the, it, it's not an illogical extrapolation of what would happen with it, with that story. It would, that does make kind of sense. Yeah. Well, it's it, still really annoying to me. But. Sure. Well, and it's also this thing sometimes where my, my pet peeve is that like, 
the most science fiction thing about all these movies is the dinosaur part and everything else is actually more yeah. realistic because we do have weaponized animals. And yes, I, I just watched a video the other day about how like the CIA, like made a, a cat walkie talkie essentially where they put a, or no, they made a cat Walkman where they basically, or like, um, they basically like put a recording device in a cat and got it to tried to get it to like run over to these Russian uh, <laughs> diplomats in a park in DC like they literally made like after three years of research and like made this cat, cat that had a recording device <laughs> in its brain and like, and then it got hit by a car. When Why it would they do it on a cat? That's the worst possible animal. To, like, That's what everyone orders. says, but maybe people have different attitudes dog, about cats sure, back like then. But cat? anyway, but it's just that thing to your earlier point and to, to this conversation, like it would just be nice to see dinosaurs be done in other ways, you know? Yeah. And, and, and like, like I said, I don't necessarily, but like you said, there's like, there's only so many ways you can do it, but that's okay. Like there's every fucking movie is already something that's been done. And yeah, some yeah. Way. it's but not it, like there's only one way to do like a romantic comedy. Like, yeah, yeah. like God knows there's so many, it's just different characters, different which is like, you're putting letters in a mailbox and as you're traveling back and yeah, forth yeah. in time between <laughs> it's romance through, through time travel. Well, th this is what I really liked about the second, uh, about fallen kingdom is that that was the closest it got to a kind of genre. It's like, it's a monster in the house movie. That's all it yeah. was. Like it was a big movie. It was a huge movie. It's, they spent a lot of money in it, but you can see the sort of small movie that's in it. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think you could, you could totally do that. You could just have it be one, well, also kind of what the end of lost world was Yeah, of like, it's just one dinosaur that's running around the streets and they're trying to fucking get that. Like you could well, get away with it. Yeah. Kind of, it's kind of homage and, or, or, yeah, yeah. But I, but I think, I mean, even more importantly to that idea. Yeah. What are the genres of a time travel movie? What are the genres of, of doing an alternate history where we yeah. live with dinosaurs? What's, what's the themes of, of, uh, rips in space time and put dinosaurs with humans again? Yeah. Like what are the actual like themes to make more compelling stories with dinosaurs in them or whatever. Yeah. And that's the thing. Again, the first one has, does such a good job of establishing those themes about like, it's about man thinking that he's God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or is it man kills God or man kills God, God, dinosaur kills man, woman man. inherits the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're like, yeah, it's, it's a fucking, it's an evergreen thing. Like, yeah. If, there's no reason to bring back dinosaurs other than like they're awesome and we want to because <laughs> they're fucking awesome. They're awesome, yeah. Um, man, this has been so much fun. It's been great. We could keep talking for hours, but I will also talk for hours. But I mean, and we'll continue to talk for hours after this. But yes. I just have the two kind of like fun questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I like to do these one-on-one -on -one interviews, the two most obvious ones: mm -hmm. uh, Would you go to Jurassic Park if it was real? Which we're going to the first one. Either or. Either or. Um, let's see. Yeah, I would probably. <laughs> which I mean, fucking get killed, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm always just like the curiosity would just get the best of me. Yeah. And also you're hoping that it's like, I'm not in a movie. So this is the one day where it doesn't, you know, cause like you think about Jurassic world, like the park was open for, I believe almost 10 years before it, uh, is that how, is that how long it is? In the something, story? something like that. Yeah. Like, like after there, there's some like, canon online content that is that when dress world came out that it was like you know jp3 happens yeah uh you know like ellie sattler meets macy's mom who's giving lectures uh the pteranodons from jp3 get caught by vincent d'onofrio's character because he's like working oh, some military thing that. yeah that's right and then 
uh, Hammond dies at some point between Lost World and JP3, and then Miss Ronnie buys in Gen, and then they start developing Jurassic happens, Park. Yeah. And then in 2005, I think Jurassic Park opens. Jurassic World opens. Jurassic World yeah, opens. Yeah. Claire is a co- in college and gets an internship there. Okay. Uh, there's a great book by Tess Sharp called the, the Evolution of Claire, where she's a 10-year-old my age. Oh, my God. Watching the San Diego incident. Oh, on like TV, on the news. Oh, the that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, oh, I love it. But It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, so it, like in my head, as far as my curiosity goes, where it's like, you know, that was one day out of, you know, right, right. 10 years. There's a lot of great days where people did not all get eaten. And yeah, killed. yeah. <laughs> that's that's the like Max series or whatever, where it's just like a day in the life at Jurassic yeah, World. Yeah, you're just like the guy who's cleaning up all the shit or yeah, oh, something no. like from his perspective. <laughs> just like in the back yeah, of the uh, cage. The Ugh. T-Rex, uh, stop eating people. It's so smelly. Yeah. Uh, but no, I would absolutely, I mean, the other thing, the other shot I remember so vividly as a kid is, is um, Alan putting his hands and ear on the side of the triceratops as yeah. it's breathing. I just remember being like, oh my God, like that, I, I you can't overstate how crazy that shit was. And that's a non-CG shot, right? That's yeah, like that's a, an animatronic. Yeah. And it looks real. It looks real today. It looked real when we saw it on that janky screen right. at the, at the, at the, the weird secret the, yeah, the Chinese theater. But, and I think the other thing too is, so uh, not to, again, I'm, oh, we're on the Jurassic Park podcast. I can, I can obsess yeah, yeah, yeah. about, I can talk about how much I love these things. Yes. This so is much the- of that movie too has like, and these are just filmmaking choices, right? I, I get annoyed when I see the stuff now where it's like, and, and it's not railing against the CG parts. I don't dislike the cool CG stuff. It's like the stuff that sits with you is that Dennis put the shaving cream on the taco that's next to him <laughs> in the beginning. It's that weird sound. It's him. It's Alan Grant putting his head and his fucking hands on the side of that. It's it's these weird visceral moments in those movies that really make you feel like you're in it more than any insane, you know, five million dollar shot of like a T Rex fighting a Spinosaurus or whatever the fuck. <laughs> it's the it's the it's like yeah. the plopping of the mud as the as you see the shaving can cream get buried yeah yeah, in the yeah mud, that too. You know? But like so that's and again part of it might just be that I was young so like it it has much more of an impact on me. But I feel like when you see the newer movies, you don't get that sense of it as much. It doesn't I, I, feel like a lived in place. It feels like a big spectacle. I, I will leave you on this as far yeah. as that goes. Is that one of my favorite moments in Fallen Kingdom? Mm-hmm. Is the surgery scene on the boat? Oh right, right, right. Because you're getting they they they're tugging at your heartstrings because you're seeing the flashbacks to Blue as a little baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, <sighs> I wish this would have been in even the first movie. But like, you see Blue like shed a tear because oh, the, the surgery is so painful. And yeah. I think that is one of the greatest moments in the entire franchise, and I just I stand by it. It's a vis. It's it, like a. It's, it's real. It's liquid, th- but again, it's like it's textural. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like just water coming from it, right? Or dirt, or the mud, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. The, or the fucking shit, right? Yeah, yeah. The, big big pile of shit. You forget how much they're animals. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're animals. That's what ha- when you go to a fucking safari, when you go to a San Diego wild animal park, it smells like stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like I feel like when you watch one of these movies, you should be smelling it in a oh way. Oh my God. smell vision Not smell vision necessarily as much, but it lacks a kind of texture to it, you know? And I think that's. Well, the best movies made now remember that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's more than just CG or not CG because again, or or visual it. fidelity, visual fidelity. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff that it was done in CG that's beautiful. It's it's just more like those are the kinds of things that make me think of. It's it's that true interaction of the person 
with the thing itself. Yeah. As opposed to sort of standing and being in awe of it. Yeah. Um, oh, I like that a lot. But I, I would love, I would have loved to go have gone to Jurassic Park. I would love, or actually, I'm sorry, one more example. The fucking sneezing, uh, was it the Brachiosaurus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's another one. God it's bless like, you. Yeah, God bless you. Like th- those are the things that are very, they're so textural. That's like, yeah, I we needed more dinosaur it. snot in the in the new movies. Yeah, there's none of it. They've missed out. They missed <laughs> yeah, out on yeah. these moments to it that make you feel like you're it's they're they're things that exist. Yeah. Rather than cool shots. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. I totally agree. Um, um but, but speaking yes. of cool shots, yes. how would you like to be chomped, stomped, glomped? Oh, like or, how would I want my death to be? By a dinosaur. Oh, that's a good question. Mm. It's hard. I go, I change it all the time. So no no pressure. I mean, I feel like the most appropriate death for me would be, you know, getting eaten on the toilet because that's where I'd be spending most of my time anyway. <laughs> that's not necessarily how I'd like to go, but I feel like that's probably the most appropriate for me. It's very practical. Um, yeah. Who was it in the second one? Um, the dude that it's like the, the uh, not weapon specialist, the... Um, the equipment specialist. Oh, Eddie gets, Carr. Eddie Carr gets torn apart by like yeah, the Yeah, Richard two, Skiff. By the two different T-Rexes. I feel like that's kind of fun. Yeah, T-Rex, also, I think, would be how I would die. Like a wishbone situation. Yeah. Oh, a, a, again, one more thing in the Fallen Kingdom that I thought was really fun was in the opening shot or the opening, the teaser of that guy who's like, oh, what are you? They can't hear. And he jumps on the fucking uh, the ladder that's coming out of the helicopter. And then he gets narrowly avoided by the T-Rex. And then the... I can't remember what the dinosaur is called. The one that comes out Mosasaur. of the water. Just, yeah, it just comes and just fucking eats him. I feel like that would be that was a really good death. Too. Yeah, like, that was fun. Any of those would be fun, I think. Those would be a good time. I love it. Yeah, all those are really... There's no good... I mean, there's the only, no wrong way to be eaten by dinosaurs. Except for uh, what's her name in, in uh, Jurassic World. The... the What's she? The au pair or the babysitter or oh, whatever? Oh, uh, the assistant. Yeah, the assistant. Katie McGrath's character. That uh, was like really... And I know people were upset about that online because I remember being like, that was weirdly like, like unnecessarily cruel. <laughs> I mean, you got to look at, you know, uh, Jurassic Park hated lawyers. Jurassic World hates personal assistants, yeah, you know. There's such haters on it, but yeah. yeah. But no, I'm going to say... I'm gonna say officially either toilet maybe best case scenario ripped apart by two different t-rexes while i'm taking a shit on the toilet <laughs> uh thank you so much yeah Kate. perfect way to end the episode yes where can people follow you find you also i didn't mention your podcast but where can people listen to that oh i thank you yes so for everyone who's listening uh if you're in the los angeles area on december 1st through the 3rd i will be at the la convention center for los angeles comic-con please come see me in small press uh i've got books i got prints i got all kinds of fun stuff uh additionally in regards to the musical explaining podcast we did make the announcement recently that our show will be ending this season so we've only got a few episodes left please go ahead and check those out and lastly uh i do have an announcement that will be coming shortly about a new podcast. Uh, please stay tuned for that. Um, it will be announced on the musical explaining show, or it will also be available, or I will also be announcing it through all my social media. So please remember to follow me at Cavitarian on Twitter, uh, at Permafriends on Instagram. Stay tuned. New show coming. I will be making an announcement very soon. Thanks. Yes. And then, you know, Blacksmith Films is my uh, website where, you know, if you're interested in getting a copy of the Mothman's Compendium of Southern California Cryptids, you can purchase them there along with the other books, so on and so forth. But yes, I think think that that covers all the different Beautiful. places I can be. Yes. 
Um, uh, thank you so much for having me. This was really this fun. So I'm so excited I, we did this. I, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I the podcast that I do, I'm the heel on the podcast because <laughs> I don't like the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't like the uh, I don't like musicals, so I have to sit through them. So I've only been able to go on like one or two other podcasts where I get to talk about stuff that I like. Um, so it's very exciting for me. I have all this like pent up, <laughs> nice, positive things that I want to talk about yeah. that I don't get to do. So it really means a lot that. Oh, you know, no, I'm so glad. Yeah. It's I so could lovely. tell we were kindred spirits of the. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. And we, we, we've we only known each other now for a couple of months, which is. Uh, Not even a couple of months. It's yeah. been like a month and a half. Month or something. and a half through so the wonderful um, Hannah Hillam who introduced us. And it turns out that we live fucking down the street oh, yeah, from yeah. each other. Uh, and by no surprise, you've become uh, close friends with my wife, Sarah, who that's what happens. Anybody well, we're cousins. Sarah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> We've been telling everyone that we're just cousins at this point. Yes. Um, uh, but thank, thank you. Uh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful time to be able to talk about like an awesome movie from back in the day that I love. Thank you. And it holds up forever. And yeah, thank yeah. you so much. And thank you listeners. Uh, until next time, hold on to your butts and uh, <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> Stay clever, girls. <laughs>